Uh, if you're new with us, uh, we are Bible Fellowship Church. We are a place who just want to know Jesus, walk with him more closely. Uh, if you see, as you come in, there's a sign that says, we're faith and fellowship, create a family. Uh, we want that to be true about us. We want to be a family in the, in the good sense, right? Not of all of us come from, from, uh, from good families, but family is something that all of us desire. We want to belong. We want to be a part of something. Um, and we want to do that in a way that's, uh, that's what God designed it to be. Um, so we worship Jesus. We sing about him. We learn from his word. Um, we've been going through a little series just kind of answering some quite basic questions as to what uh, some basic things about the Christian life that we say and maybe take for granted and don't really know what it's about. So we started this with what is a disciple? Um, we saw that a disciple uh, is someone who puts Jesus first in all things, who abides with him, um, who uh, produces fruit, it's his fruit, um, and then reproduces other disciples because Christians are called to reproduce. Um, that's how God works, it's through people. Um, and what is, what is a church? A church is just a collection of all those people, right? People who are called by God the Father. We're wanted, we're chosen, we're loved. Um, we're united in Jesus. Uh, there's, there's, we're all equal. Um, and uh, so there's no hierarchy in the Christian life. It's uh, Jesus is the hierarchy and we are, we are following him and wanting to follow his order and his way. Um, and we're, we're sealed by the Holy Spirit. Uh, it's a, the presence Spirit of God dwelling in us uh, who equips us and teaches us and guides us as we, as we read and, and understand who God is. Um, and last week we, we looked at what is ministry, uh, which is um, service to God that helps so bring someone one step closer to Jesus is how I define that, right? So I think oftentimes we can get ministry like, oh, I got to do ministry. And we start thinking about you got to come up here and do something like I'm doing. Um, and you're like, well, Lord, if you want me to do ministry, I'm not going up there and talking in front of all those people. Um, but that's not what ministry is. It's a service, right? We're called to be servants. Uh, we're called to love. It's by our actions. Uh, evangelism, yes, we've got to proclaim the gospel. Um, what's just interesting, the thing that happens is when we start talking about Jesus, start praying to Jesus, start living for Jesus, we start uh, talking about him, um, and he gives us opportunities, um, and uh, just this week, I was talking to someone who uh, ended up being able to pray for the first time with their coworkers, uh, and, and because of some tragic event, and they were like, this is not how I wanted this to happen, but I guess, Lord, this is how, how it's going to happen. Um, and the Lord used that opportunity. God wants to use everything in our life uh, as a way for us to live out our, our walk and our life with Him. Um, so... From that, we're going on to what is God's will for my life? What is God's will for my life? So if you've had that question, you don't know what you're going to do with your life, uh, maybe it'll be answered today, maybe it won't be answered. Um, so actually, I'm going to take two weeks on this question. What is God's will for my life? So this, this week, we're going to go look at a, like an overarching picture, kind of general terms. Next week, we're going to get a little bit more specific. So if you're really wondering what you, God wants you to do with your life, come back next week. Um, it should be a good sermon. Um, you know I, know, I know the weather's getting nice, the beaches are close, you know, but we're always here. So, um, you know, I think like it, this, I think I saw some research. It was like 80% of people change their major, like when they get into college. And only around like 27% of the people who graduate college actually work in their field. Man, what a, what a useful use of money, you know, like going through all this education, you're not even doing what you're, what you're called for. 
right? And why is that? Because people are constantly asking the question, what do, should I do with my life? What am I fit for? What should I do? Right? There's, a, there's a new term that's arising amongst psychologists. Um, it's called uh, uh, purpose anxiety. You ever heard that term? Well, it's out there now because everyone doesn't know what their purpose is. And they're, they're overthinking everything, overanalyzing everything. What am I supposed to do with life? Right? It's, it's a need. We, we, we're born here. We want to we we do what we're designed for. We want to know what, what either, you know, if you know the Lord, I want to know what the Lord's will is for my life. If you don't know the Lord, you know what, I want to know what my purpose is, uh, which whether or not you know the Lord is God's will for your life, right? This is a, this is a, a core thing about who all of us are. It's, it's put into us to ask the question, who am I and why am I here? Um, so today I just want to address that. I want to look at like a big picture of, of what, how God's designed humanity, which I think helps to focus in on us as a church, as a people, as a body, and to what God wants us to do, right? So I'm going to define will uh, this way. Um, will as the, is the outworking of a desire in a particular sphere. So will is an outworking of a desire in a particular sphere, so when we talk about God's will for our life, like, so it's an outworking of his desire for us and in our life, right? So if I was an engineer and I built a John Deere tractor, uh, my will for that tractor is that it would be useful on the farm, right? I could put a plow on it and I get a combine. Um, I, could, I could use it, some pulleys to, to run some other equipment on the farm. Um, it would just be helpful for me. My will would be that. My will for it would not to be racing in the Daytona 500. Although there's some of you out there um, who would love to see that. Um, the will for my, that tractor is not that it just sits holding up a falling down barn door and just does that. No, I, I want it to put it to use so it would be useful to plant crops. Um, so that those crops can grow and feed people. Uh, it comes in as helping, Right? And so we talk about a will, we talk about necessarily about design. When we talk about God's will for us, we talk about God's design of us. And if we're going to look at God's design, it's a good place for us to go in the very beginning. So if you have your Bibles, uh, we're going to start in Genesis 1, Genesis chapter 1. That's the first book in the Bible. Um, if you don't, I think I'm going to put it on screen. I can't remember if it's on my PowerPoint or not. So, um, uh, so this, this might be an interesting interesting week here. Um, but Genesis 1. Now, before we read that, I want to make everything as, as clear as I possibly can. So I'm going to kind of give, give you my cards before, before we get through this. Um, so here's what I think God's will for us all is. And I'm going like, to give it to you, and then we're going to work through how this works out logically, how it says in the Bible, what it, what it says about it. So God's will for our life, it's his will that every believer invests their life in a way that reveals the nature and the character of God. That's his will for our life. It's God's will that every believer invests their entire life in a way that reveals his character and his nature. So if you have your Bibles open, and I think I have this up here, uh, Genesis 1, 26 through 28. It says, and then God said this, Let's, let us make man in our own image after our likeness. Um, 
And let him have dominion over the fish and the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And he said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish and the sea and the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So, right, so you look at that, and that's, that's God's directive. It's his design, right? He, he starts his intention. Let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And then he says, then God made man in his image, male and female, he created them. And then God gave him a command that is in line with his intention for man, right? So let us make man in our image. And then he says, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it, right? So there's two commands. There's two kind of design components, image of God, uh, authority, dominion over the earth. And he says, okay, I want that image of God to be all over the earth. Glad that's not on. Um, And I want you to have dominion over over the earth. Um, I want you to subdue it. I want you to exercise dominion, right? So we look at this and we, there's, I'm not going to go on a big giant sermon on the image of what the Imago Dei is, the, the image of God. Um, there's tons of people who have written on that. I can get you some books if you're interested in looking forward, but at its basis is that we were called to represent God, his image, right? Does that make, I don't think I have to really argue it that much. That's very clear from the text. In his image, in his likeness, we were to look like God. We are to represent him. We were, we were to be Someone who someone could see, or creation itself could see, and say, that looks like God. Not only that, God's intention was that that, that, um, that people, the people God created, his image, his desire for it was that it would fill the entire earth. So, first command, be fruitful and multiply, which is pretty interesting, Right? We all know how that happens. God says, go, be fruitful, multiply. I want to see a lot of human beings on this earth. I want to see a lot of representatives of who I am on this earth. I want this earth filled with images of God, right? So I want the the whole earth filled with the image of God. So when when he calls people to reproduce, he's calling them to expand his image over the entire globe, right? That's his desire for us, right? It's even with the fall, his desire is still happening, right? It's marred, it's broken, but there's like, how, I don't, I forget, I didn't look at the number, but somewhere around like 8 billion people right in the earth right now, give or take. 8 billion images of God running around. The earth is beginning to be fulfilled because God commanded it. So fill the earth. His desire is that his, his image would reproduce, and he wants to reproduce his image. Uh, we're created to be a physical representation of the spiritual reality of who God is. Does that make sense? You're tracking with me? We're called to fill the earth, the whole earth full of his image bearers. The problem is, 
is that mankind's ability to do that was distorted by the fall. So a couple chapters later, uh, Eve disobeys the command that God gave to not eat of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And, um, and then he gives it to Adam. And there's, there's a break. There's a shattering, in a sense, of God's image. Like if we, were, if we were a mirror, we were broken. And so God's image is reflected, but it's not reflected in the way that it's supposed to be reflected. But God's desire for mankind was that, God, that mankind would be a representation of who God is in this world. We're still doing it, we're still following it, but we're not doing it very well. I mean, it's, uh, it's pretty bad out there. I mean, not, not only in other countries, but here. I mean, not only do we have to worry about fit people in front of us or people attacking us or, or whatever it is, um, we got to worry about people stealing our identity. That's crazy. Like someone, some little kid, 12-year-old, learns how to hack and say, like, hey, this is fun. Do, 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 do. Hey, cool, I got a whole bank account. And, like, and it's, there's, there's brokenness out there. That's not what God wanted represented. God wanted his character, his nature represented through everyone. Right? What, what is his character? What is his, rep, what is his nature? It says it in Exodus 34. I don't have it on the, on the PowerPoint here, but it says, first time God ever talks about himself in the Bible. First time he ever talks about himself is Exodus 34, verse 6. He says, to Moses, he says, the Lord, the Lord, a God, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, rich in faithfulness, or rich in mercy. Um, and, yeah, faithfulness. Keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who by no means clear the guilty. What, is, what does that say about him? First thing he wants us to know about himself is that he's compassionate and he's gracious and he's kind. That he's loving, but he's also just. And when, he, when he's designed humanity, he wants humanity to reveal that aspect of his nature. Compassionate, gracious, loving, kind. But that was broken. So you look through the Bible and you start seeing like there's this, you can almost trace it through the whole history of the Bible. That God is looking for a representative of him here. The promise of the seed, we find Noah, this, the righteous, righteous one, most righteous one on the whole earth. And he's like, okay, great, I'll take you. I will save you and your family, a bunch of the animals, so we can continue doing this thing that I designed you to do, to be my image and to exercise dominion over the fish of the, of the sea and the birds and the, and the animals, right? You're unique. You're different. You're distinct from creation. I want you to, to, to exercise that authority. And what does Noah do after the flood? He goes and plants a vineyard. He makes some wine. He gets drunk. And it's just downhill from there. Fighting, infighting, kind of the same thing. Babylon, spread out, calls out Abraham. You're going to be my servant. From you, I'm going to create a nation. The number of the sands of the sea won't outnumber them. You'll be a blessing to all the nations. And they will be blessed who blessed you and cursed who cursed you. And, and this nation that God's calling out is called to be his representative, who he is. And we fast forward, they're rescued out of Egypt, right? Uh, 
and they're going through the wilderness and do they represent him and his character and his nature? No, they represent humanity and they're complaining uh, and they're, they're uh, self-centeredness. And you just go through all the history through that lens of like these major character people who are brought out, like are, are supposed to be intended to be representatives of God, but they're all broken and marred. Like David, a man after God's own heart. What does he represent? His, his justice, his rescue, the mighty arm, the strong arm of God. But he's got a little bit of a lust problem. We just keep on picking out characters. They're all broken. Until we come to Jesus. And we see in Christ that Christ fulfills God's desire for his image to be reproduced here on the earth. Right? Christ fulfilled God's desire to reveal his character and nature to the world. Am I feeling the air conditioner on here now? Is it moving? Okay, well, that's, I was about to send us all outside, but it's kind of humid out there. Right, so Christ fulfilled God's desire to reveal his character and nature to the world. Um, Christ followed God's commands obediently to the letter, all the way through, right? Born and the likeness of men, he submitted himself to something that was so far beneath him that it's, it's incomprehensible that the king of the universe would become a servant. Not only become a servant, but become a baby. The most helpless being on this earth, absolutely dependent on his mother. And he lived 100% obedience to God. He revealed his nature 100%, right? He said, he said if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Uh, Paul says, like in, in, uh, in Colossians 1.15, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Right? So that, this is what he's talking about. He's, he is the image. He is, he is what God designed humanity to be. He's the, he's the fullness of what humanity is supposed to be. The writers of Hebrews, he says, it, he says he's the, the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. So God's intention for hum humanity was that he would represent God on this earth. Humanity messed it up. So God sent his son to be the representative on this earth, to reveal himself. Patient, kind, gracious, abounding in steadfast love. Right? Jesus is the one who's walking by in a, this crowd of people and blind, blind Bartimaeus is screaming, the son of David, have mercy on me. And he could have been like, oh, no, I'm too busy. I'm going to, uh, I'm going to Jerusalem to go die. So we'll, we'll talk to you later when I'm back. But no, he's, he says, stop, call that guy over to me. Let me help him. He's, he's the one who went out of his way to go to Samaria to talk to the woman at the well. To, to bring her redemption. He's, he's the one who's gone out of his way in the same way to find all of us. And reveal himself. So Jesus is the one who adequately represents God's character and nature to the earth. And what does that mean for us? Right? Christ has commissioned us. He commissions the church to reveal the character and nature of God. 
Right, so see how this logic goes? Like, this is the big Bible story. God created man. He wanted to reveal himself. They broke it. God promised the son. He sent the son. The son revealed it. The son restored us back to our ability to, repeat, to reveal his nature. So part of our redemption, right, it's not just forgiveness of sin, which is, that is the gospel. He forgives our sin. He reconciles us to the Father. So we're saved. We don't have to fear death. Death has no power over us, no dominion over us. We're not going to spend eternity away from God, away from his presence, away from everything that's good. Hell, that's, that's what that is. Just eternal torment. But we get to spend it with him. But not only do we get to spend it with him, but he is, he's actually made it so that we would fulfill his directive for us as his image bearers, as the people who represent him. His purpose in the church here right now is a representative Represent, whatever that is, representative of God, of God here, right? This is kind of last week's sermon. So if you're sitting there going, man, this guy keeps on talking about the same thing. It's true. I, I think it's good for us to slow down and rem- remember and realize why we are here. We are here so that Jesus would be manifest in our life, right? Galatians 2.20 I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I have been crucified with Christ. Andrew is dead. Jesus is alive. Pete is dead. Jesus is alive. Shug is dead. Jesus is alive. But this is, this is our mind frame. This is, this is how we're supposed to be thinking. It's not my life anymore. It's his life. It's not my will anymore. It's his will. But his will is good. His will wants the best for me. His will is perfect. And so we talk about this whole thing. Like everything comes together with that. The vine, the branches, the fruit, the pruning, the justification, sanctification, all of that coming together to say, I have created you, I have redeemed you to represent who I am in the the earth. You are called to reveal the Son. So it brings kind of new meaning here, right, to the Great Commission. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always, even till the end of the age. I could translate again, be fruitful and multiply. See that? God's recommissioning his original design for us to go and to fill the earth with the image of God. God's desire is that his people would invest their lives for that purpose. So the question we asked ourselves, ask ourselves is how am I living in a way that reveals the character and nature of God? I mean, is it coming to my mind in the morning? 
Does it come to my mind during the day? Am I trusting in him? Am I walking with him? Am I looking for opportunities? Right? Look, the command for being fruitful and multiplying in Genesis 1 is clearly, clearly designated to physical reproduction of the human race. And I understand how difficult that command can be for many. Because sin entered into the world and broke things. So we have despicable words like miscarriage. We have horrific things that people have to walk through. And it's, it's deeply scarring. It's deeply hurtful. Because it's something that we desire to be. Right? It's, it's in our nature to reproduce. This is why, why the, the abortion industry is so sick. It's just trying to kill and destroy the image of God. And through all of that pain, all of that brokenness, all of, all of that stuff, which I can't really address here, I could just acknowledge it. And I can say that Jesus is able to redeem that in you. Because his main intention is not just, not just physical children, which that's part of it. His main intention is that people would come to know Jesus. Glory. That people would be redeemed. And now as a believer, every one of us, male and female, are called to be in the reproduction business. Probably not the right word. We're called to be a part of this. We're called to get step into bringing new people into the kingdom. Bringing new people, babes, into life. I mean, all that language, all that terminology is all throughout the New Testament, right? You are infants in Christ. If you're infants, long for the spiritual milk. Right? That's the same thing. You have to be born anew, born again. And as a church, we're called to be a nursery some, somewhat, as a, as a nursery for heaven. We're helping people know who this Jesus is, know that he loves them, know that he's called them, know that he's paved a way, knows that he knows about your brokenness. He knows every aspect of it. Even the things that you don't want to admit to yourself. And he says, I love you through it all. I've forgiven it all. And I can restore it all. I can give you new life. And oftentimes, Christians, believers, hear something like this, and we start thinking in terms of something that we don't want to do. Oh, this preacher's calling me to go evangelize. He's saying, and he's going to make a big poster board and stand on the side of, of the road and say, you know, Hell's hot, get your sunscreen, you know? And, and it's just going to be awkward. Or he's telling me I need, I need to be that obnoxious person at class or, or class or work or whatever. No. Ministry is, is my life. If, if Jesus is my life, I, I, I love him. I want to know him. I, I spend time in his word. I talk about him. I pray to him. And if I start talking about him all the time, start thinking about him all the time, there's a natural byproduct that just happens. Right? So when you're 
in with a coworker or you're like sitting with a doctor going through stuff. Like, hey, I know you got some, this is kind of a bad, bad news. I got bad news for you. Um, test came back. It's positive for that C word. Okay, what are we going to do? Well, you don't, need to, you don't need to cry about that? Well, no, no, I'm, I'm good. Like, I really am good. Uh, God, God's redeemed me. He's, I don't have to worry about death. Glory. Even if that's not your natural reaction. Oh my goodness, I got cancer. My kids, my, my uh, crying through it all. And that, do- that doctor seeing that and you walk out, man, I, I messed up. I messed my opportunity. No, you didn't. You come back and you say, man, this is, dif- this is extremely difficult for me. And I'm barely holding on. Uh, but I have this hope. God's going to redeem me. God's going to resurrect me. Right? Through my mess, through my brokenness, through everything, God wants to work. Even through my story. Man, I was a drug addict or, or whatever, whatever it was. Like, it's just taking the honesty of your life and showing the absolute redemption of Jesus in it. Taking the brokenness of your life and being okay with it. Taking the mask off. I don't have to play a game. I, I got good days, I got bad days, but Jesus is good. He doesn't ask me to be perfect. If he did, this is just, just is nonsense that we're doing here. But he's perfect for me. And then he makes me perfect. So I'm, I'm quick to admit when I'm wrong. I take responsibility. I repent. Right? It's not turning around. Right? It's, it's a changing of a mind. That was wrong. I should not have been treating my kids that way. I need to change that. Will you forgive me? And then walking through and every aspect of that, leaning on the Lord, trusting on him becomes ways in which God sees people in you. We're designed to be fruitful. We're designed to partner in the process of bringing new Christians, new believers, new life into this world. What a privilege. And if all of us sit here and realize, we understand this, who am I? Who am I to be able to do that? I know me. That preacher doesn't know me. He thinks I'm a good person. But God has taken away the shame. Christ has redeemed. Christ has made us new. We're going to sing a song here. It's called Unashamed. I want to invite you to stand up um, and, and sing that along with us as a, as a prayer. I know I'm weak. I know I'm unworthy. I know you've called me into something in my life. I know that I, I constantly forget my call as a believer to walk and in, in, in reveal who you are to the people around me. I've been a believer for 40 years, and I haven't even, I've never seen someone come to faith. I'm weak. But Lord, you're powerful. You're strong. You've called me redeemed. You've said this should be a part of me. So Lord, would you begin to work in me so that the seed that is produced out of me becomes something that's attractive, that people can taste and see that the Lord is good. And I could just see one person come to know you into the kingdom through my life.